So tonight we're looking at 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 18. The greater the glory of the new covenant. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in the letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steady, steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, Transit, transitory though it was, or not the ministry, sorry, were not the ministry of the Spirit, but even more glorious. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory, now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who puts a veil on his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ it is taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Grace. Good evening. I've been hiding behind the pillar. <laughs> uh, good to see you all this evening. If you're not quite sure who I am, I'm Eleanor Jeans, and I'm the associate vicar as of three and a bit weeks ago, I think. I've no idea. But this is the first time I've, I've had a chance to uh, speak in the evening service, so it's really lovely to be able to do that. Uh, let's pray before we look at this passage this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for the opportunity now to uh, share together and uh, have a, a look at these words that are in 2 Corinthians. Help us to hear your voice, not mine, uh, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've got a bit of a quiz for you to begin with. Um, and uh, so hopefully um, on the next slide, there's going to be various pictures of places as they used to look. And then you've got to work out where they are. So hopefully the first picture. So that was a picture of somewhere in 1900. Any ideas? Shout out where you think it might be. No idea. It's really exciting. Do you want to show the next picture of what it looks like now? <laughs> Isn't that incredible? That is Seoul, South Korea. That was Seoul in 1900. That's what it looks like now. Let's have a look at the next one. Any ideas where that could be? Only in 1945 as well. Any ideas? Well, let's see where it is. Tokyo. Isn't that, did, what, did you say Tokyo? Oh, well done. I would give you a prize if I haven't got any. So, you know. Um, yeah, so that's Tokyo. Um, next one. That's obvious, I think. I hope it's obvious. Yeah, just look at it now, though. It's still different. It's not quite as different, but it's still different. Okay, next one. I find this one. Oh, no. Um, this one. 
Um, I didn't know what this looked like in the <laughs> new picture, so any ideas? Have a look, next one. Shanghai. It's incredible when you see what somewhere looked like and what it looks like now. Uh, next one, this one is the one I'm just slightly stunned by. That was in 2000, Dubai. Let's have a look what it looks like now. That is incredible, that picture. And actually, you can see the wavy bit. So that is one picture and what it looks like now. This one is interesting. So that is Alaska a few years ago. I don't know how many years ago, but a long time ago. This is what Alaska looks like now, or that bit of Alaska. That's challenging, isn't it? <laughs> and then this final one, that's what a shop looked like in the Northeast many years ago. Note what it is there. And then this is what it is now a pizza place, or actually a kebab shop, which is also fascinating when you think about what it uh, was. So you might wonder, why on earth have we done that little quiz? Well, we're thinking uh, this evening about old and new. Uh, we're thinking a little bit about transformation. This passage that we've just heard, that, Grace just, uh, that we've just read, is all about the old and new, all about the old uh, covenant and the new covenant. It's a passage of contrasts, and it's a, a contrast particularly between the old and the new, the old and new covenant or the old and new law. So first of all, uh, before we get on to thinking about that, a little bit of context. Uh, you'll find out that I quite like using that word context because I think it's really important when we're looking at scripture. The passage that we um, have before our reading is the one that Evan looked at last week, all about the aroma of Christ. But right at the end of the passage, we read um, the fact that we are ministers of the new covenant. Paul says, we are ministers of the new covenant, not written on stone or with ink, but written by the spirit of the living God in our hearts. And he's talking about the covenant there. Now, covenant is a very common word in the Old Testament. It's, it's about an agreement. It's about a contract. And, of course, it originates right back in the early parts of the Old Testament with Abraham and God in Genesis, where, where God makes this covenant that he will become a nation, outnumbering the stars, which in these days, these days is really hard to know because we can't really see the stars much, can we? But if you were to look somewhere where it was dark, you would see that. And in that covenant, it said that, that God would be their God and that they, his people would be his people. And of course, the sign of the covenant was circumcision. And so God makes a covenant. And he makes a covenant with his people in many ways in the Old Testament. One of those is the Ten Commandments, which Moses puts on those stone tablets. That's the reminder of the covenant and the stone and then bit by bit, we see a new covenant promised. Have a look in Jeremiah 31, and you will see a new covenant mentioned there. And then when we get into the New Testament, we see at the Last Supper, Jesus said these words. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. How many times have we heard those words in communion and maybe just glossed over them? But the new covenant there. And so a sign of that new covenant is no longer circumcision, but the blood poured out by Jesus on the cross. In Romans, Paul talks about circumcision of the heart. Circumcision by the Spirit being a sign of that. 
And so with Jesus came a new covenant, a new agreement. And, uh, and we see that language of new and old throughout the Old and New Testament. There we go. But of course, new isn't always better, is it? Now, how often have you found yourself saying, oh, I wish I had the old one. That was so much better. It worked better. It was more reliable. Why did I need to change? But of course, in this case, new far outweighs the old. So let's have a look then at the old. And you've got the first one on the screen there for you. So the first thing to see is that in the old, it was written on stones. We've already mentioned it. Think of the, the way that the commandments, the Ten Commandments were written on stones, which, which Paul refers to. When we look at the Old Testament, we see that it was law-based. It was something that, that had to be followed. So, for example, in Leviticus 8, verse 5, it says this, Keep my decrees and laws, for the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. So it involved trying to keep this covenant with God. But actually, if you tried to do that, you would never fully succeed. You know, those who were trying to follow this old covenant would go round things again and again. You know, they take, need to take animals to sacrifice, to, to, to atone or to make right for their sins. But that wouldn't last. They'd need to do it again and again and again. But what we find out in this letter, well, in, in, in this letter in 2 Corinthians and elsewhere in the New Testament is the new covenant. Well, that's written on our hearts, written on our hearts by the Spirit. It's something we carry with us. It's not heavy. It's not untransportable like a stone or two. It's a covenant written on our hearts. And I love that image, that it's not something that we have to sort of lug around and it, it sort of pulls us back and it's just hard to follow. It's something that we can have with us, this covenant, this agreement, this contract, if you like, with God, written on our hearts by his spirit, all because of what Jesus has done for us. So that's the first old and new. The second, the old covenant, did this, it brought death and condemnation. As we've already seen in the old, it, it would have been impossible to completely and fully succeed, to keep following all of the laws. And of course, that ultimately, therefore, would have brought death and condemnation. It is impossible for us to always and constantly follow God, isn't it? To follow his laws, because we mess up. We've already reminded ourselves of that this evening, haven't we, as we've said sorry. Paul, describing living by the law only before he knew Jesus, found that in Romans 7. He said, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. So we read in this passage that the old brings death and condemnation, but the new... Well, the new brings life and righteousness. The new brings being made right, being made right with God. All because of Jesus and all by the power of the Spirit, we find life 
and we're made right with God. And therefore our relationship with him is restored. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. In a couple of weeks we'll be thinking about this, I think. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And that is new, which is good. And it's because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus that we can be put right. In Jesus, he ushered this new covenant in, which brings all we need, all we need to be made right with God. We don't need to try and do it ourselves. That doesn't mean we can live however we like. But we can know so much because of what Jesus has done for us in this new covenant. Thirdly then, the next old covenant bit we find in this passage is that it is glory that's transitory. In other words, it's glory that is not permanent. You know, there's no doubt that there is glory in the Old Testament. And Paul reminds us of that in this, in this passage when he talks about Moses displaying that glory as he came down from meeting with God and receiving these Ten Commandments because he literally glowed. You know, even though he didn't know it at first. I love the fact that if you look back at that passage in, in Exodus, Moses comes down the mountain, his face glowing, and he doesn't know. And that'd be quite weird if you found that out. Um, I don't know if anyone, any of you have watched the Netflix series, um, God's Favourite Idiot. Everyone's looking at me going, what? No, well, it's worth watching. It's a bit odd. Um, but, and it's theologically really quite dodgy. <laughs> but is that is exactly what happens to this guy. He's this guy who's been chosen by God to try and make things right in the world. And he doesn't realise that he's glowing. <laughs> And um, he, he, can't, he can't put it on. He sort of, every now and then he sort of glows and something happens. And then suddenly he quotes scripture. And it's a, it's a fascinating program. I'm not really sure what I think of it, if I'm honest. But um, it's, yeah, have a look at it if you've got Netflix. Don't get Netflix just to watch it, though. You know, it'd be a bad use of money and time. Um, anyway. But, but actually, it, that only happens occasionally. And with, with Moses, this glowing, this, uh, this light that shines off him, is, it does gradually fade until he meets God again, until he sees God face to face. And of course, the Israelites are afraid at what they see. They can't look steadily at him. Moses was radiant, though, because he was reflecting the glory of God that he had experienced by meeting God face to face. And Paul here is taking that account, which, if you want to read, is in Exodus 34. And he's reminding us that the glory that Moses was displaying was only transitory. It was only there briefly. It wasn't permanent. And it wasn't for all either. And then he makes it very clear, clear that if that displayed God's glory in Moses sort of shining in the way he did temporarily, just think how much more the new covenant does. So in the new covenant, we find glory, which is so much more glorious and so much more permanent. It lasts. So what was glorious is now nothing compared to the glory of the new. 
Now, of course, that doesn't mean we're going to glow. Wouldn't that be quite fun? Anyway, um, but we carry God's glory with us by his spirit. So that actually sometimes others look to us and they see Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful if that happened more? If we glowed um, metaphorically with Jesus, that people look at us and say, I want what you've got. And of course, what we need to remember is that even now, that glory that we're thinking about isn't fully displayed. It will be one day. But as Paul says in this passage, for now, we have hope, hope of what will come. So our final old and new the first, firstly, the old. In this passage, we're reminded that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant is veiled. We read in this passage that Moses veiled his face. He covered his face once he'd finished speaking to the Israelites. That was so they only occasionally saw this reflected glory. And so Paul says here that when reading the Old Covenant or New Old Testament, the same thing, Hearts are still veiled. It's a reminder that it's not the full picture without what makes the veil lift. And so in the new, we read here that the veil is removed. Because what we find out in this passage is that when we're in Christ, when we have the Holy Spirit, God is at work in us. The veil has been removed. It's only in Christ, actually, that this veil is removed. Verse 16 says, when anyone, Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, I'm getting older. <clears throat> I like to, don't like to admit it, but I am. And one of the signs of getting older for me is that I need to wear reading glasses. My left eye is worse. And if I close my right eye and try to read something, it's really not very good at all. My arms aren't long enough anymore. They're really not. I think my arms need to be sort of the length of this room. <coughs> and so it's only when my, I put my glasses on, oh, that's better, that I can see what I need to. Although if I look out to you, you're all blurred, and I don't like it. So I have my words really big so that I can see them. We can only see clearly when the veil is lifted. We only see clearly when we turn to Christ. When we see through Jesus' goggles, if you like. Only in Jesus is the veil removed. But I just want to put a caveat in here because um, we, we need to be aware that we might mistakenly read this passage and potentially read it and think that we can do away with the Old Testament. But that is not true. What Paul is saying here is that we need to read the old through the lens of the new. We need to read the old with Jesus' goggles on, with the veil removed. And actually through reading both in the context of each other, we see so much more. We could never fully succeed in the old covenant because of the law, but with Jesus came the opportunity for that to change. And I wonder what looking at the old and new here does for you. What it says to me is that it's, well, it's so much better with Jesus, so much better with his spirit and work in me. 
there's more actually to add, not to the old column, but to the new column. Because in the new column, we can also add, add that we find hope. We find freedom. We find transformation. And of course, with those, as Paul says in this passage, comes boldness. Because we know that this is a permanent thing. That this brings God's glory. That we don't need to fear, we don't need to cover our faces because of Jesus. So we can be bold. Verse 18 says this, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so in Jesus we find this new covenant and we find transformation. And the outcome of that is that we become more and more like Jesus. Uh, the church I've come from had a strap line, which was, see if I can remember it, <laughs> we are a community of disciples on an adventure together of becoming more like Jesus and helping others do the same. Oh, I remembered it. When we come to know Jesus, the Spirit is at work in us, transforming us, growing us more into the family likeness. That's of course not about how we look, but how we are, growing in the fruit of the Spirit, in the family likeness as we are in Christ, allowing God's Spirit to transform us. I have to say, I like to think that I'm in the business of transformation, not like the way they do it on the sewing bee or anything like that, but in the permanent, life-changing God-glorifying way that his spirit leads us in. Nothing is better than life in Christ, life in his spirit. So thinking back to those pictures at the start of the old and the new, those pictures of transformation, I wonder how is God transforming you? You may not look any different on the outside, but I want to encourage you that God is at work by his spirit in you. I wonder how do you long for God to transform you? Or is it that you recognize that you're not there yet, that you need to come to Jesus to allow that veil to be taken away? If that's you, why not do it this evening? Let's pray. Can I encourage you? If you're willing and able to stand, we've been sat down for quite a while, stretch our legs a little bit as we gather to pray. So whether you're someone who uh, recognises that you need to come to Jesus for the first time or afresh, or that you come longing to be transformed in a particular area of your life just encourage you to come before him now and simply say, come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit. Do your business of transformation in me.
Father, I want to thank you that uh, when you are at work in us, uh, transformation happens in so many ways. Sometimes it's gradual, sometimes it's uh, miraculously quickly. Sometimes we don't realise until we look back. But we thank you that you are at work in each one of us. And we ask for more, Lord. In a moment, we're going to sing a couple of songs, or at least one, I'm not quite sure how many. Um, but I just wanted to read some words that I'd already planned to uh, read, and I realised as I arrived that we're actually going to sing the song. Um, whenever I think of this passage, I'm reminded of the words from Love Divine. And halfway through one of the verses, it says this, Change from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place till we cast our crowns before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. That is what God is doing in us. He is changing us from glory into glory. He is transforming us. Won't it be good when we look back this time next year and see how God has been at work in us?